It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts the volume The NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet 5 bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. My game this week, Jacksonville. They're getting four points over the Colts. I'm taking the Jags to beat the Colts on Sunday. Get it on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code MANIX. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code MANIX, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensed partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. This is Three Points with Chris Mannix, part of the Volume Sports Podcast Network. It is the show where we tackle the three biggest topics in the NBA right now. 
still the preseason, so we're isolating uh, specific teams. We're going to get into that. Reminder to uh, subscribe to the volume feed on AMP. We are live on AMP right now. Subscribe to the volume feed. Subscribe to my feed to get the first listen of this show every single week. So with the season about 10 or 11 days away, I want to zero in on the Boston Celtics, the team that the NBA GMs, in their infinite wisdom, have labeled as co-favorites to win the NBA championship this year, coming in tied with the Denver Nuggets uh, for percentage of the vote. Uh, A lot of people bullish on the Celtics. I've got some questions about the Celtics to unpack that and much more. We're bringing Chris Forsberg. does a great job covering the Celtics for NBC Sports Boston. And Chris, why don't we start with the question about the roster itself? Um, Very busy offseason for Brad Stevens and this Celtics front office. Marcus Smart goes out. Grant Williams goes out. Robert Williams goes out. Malcolm Brogdon goes out. In, Drew Holiday, Chris Porzingis, Jordan Walsh, and a whole bunch of other guys that might make the roster but probably won't play. Um, Big picture. Mm-hmm. Is this roster better than the one that finished last season? Can you find me a hot take guy who would argue otherwise? Are you are you on are you on their not better island? I I might I'm on the paddling in between those two islands. Let's call it that. I don't think I'm on the not better island, but I've got my take on it. So let me get yours first on on the Celtics roster. So look, man, if you know, there's been no one in the Boston universe who has probably uh, slobbered over. Robert Williams and Marcus Smart, as, as much as I have in recent seasons. And I will fully admit, it's like, it was weird seeing them shipped out. Marcus from a, he's just sort of all we've ever known in the Brad Stevens era from coach to GM. And then with Rob, you just thought like the way he differentiated them in 22, it was hard for me to envision a move that they would make. And yet, like, even in my completely biased, defensive loving Rob Williams slobbering way, I cannot sit here and tell you that they're not better, right? Like, there's certainly question marks. Will Porzingis stay healthy? Will Drew Holiday continue to be impactful at 33 and beyond? But if everything checks out right, I think their ceiling is just much, much higher. And even, uh, no one's going to ask for GM Forsberg's opinion, but like, even if I had to sit there and you when you start pouring over it, like, there's no way you don't make that Drew Holiday deal as much as I was attached to Rob because it just makes you that much better as a team. And right now you can, I would love to have seen him develop, but come on, you're going for a title now and that's all that matters. Let me ask you this before I give you my take. Uh, do you think the Celtics make that Drew Holiday deal? If the, I mean, look, it's a chicken of the egg thing because mm-hmm. the Blazers got Damian Lillard because they gave up Drew Holiday, but take that part of the equation out. If sure. the Blazers don't upgrade with Damian Lillard, do the Celtics go out and get Drew Holiday? Probably not. I think they were pretty, you know, again, they were pretty content with their roster. I think the Lillard trade made Brad Stevens and his group sort of sit back for a second and be like, okay, you know, is there something else we can do? And if I don't know if if, if, if it was anyone other than Drew, if they would have done it. We hear the stories about uh, Brad going into Danny's office back when he was a coach and saying, I want that guy. And they the Celtics making a little bit of a push for him back, whatever it was, 2020 or before he went to Milwaukee. So uh, I, I think it had to be the right player, the right situation, the, the ability to go get the guy that got discarded and is probably highly motivated to go against your chief rival probably factors into it. But yeah, in a vacuum, like let's just say the Bucks for whatever reason, we're willing to move on. I don't know if they necessarily look for that trade. It's just sort of 
uh, they were ready when it came down. It was clear from the beginning they were they were going to strike because they were motivated to to get that player. All right, so I'm not going to go full Scalabrini and declare this team to be the best in the NBA. I, I watched that clip that made the rounds on social media where he said every GM and coach would want this roster. I don't, I don't necessarily buy that, but I will say on paper right now, they have a slightly better roster. My concern is uh, the players I'm looking at on paper may not be the most dependable. Now, I love the backcourt. I think Drew Holiday is a, I'd say, a slight upgrade over Marcus Smart at that position. Drew's won a championship. Um, yeah, he, He's not this overwhelmingly, he's, he's not a very good half-court offensive player, but I think his shot selection is going to be a little bit better than Marcus Smart. And part of that GM survey you saw as well, best perimeter defender in the NBA, GM said it was Drew Holiday by a country mile. I think it was 50% of the vote went to Drew Holiday. So you're not missing a beat defensively with Drew Holiday stepping in for Marcus Smart. I think Derek White, equally productive at the off-guard position. They'll make a good backcourt. They'll be very good on both ends of the floor. And look, organic growth alone is going to make the Brown-Tatum-Tatum-Brown combination better. I mean, I think Jalen Brown getting his contract is going to take some pressure off him. You know, Jason Tatum knows he's going to get his contract. They're going to take steps forward. Maybe Tatum goes to the top three MVP level. Brown already second team all NBA. Maybe he goes to an even higher level. Organic growth, that's fine. The concern I have is the front court, which is wafer thin right now. It is going to rely on Kristaps Porzingis and Al Horford to be workhorses for this team because Chris, there is nobody behind them. And I'm not just saying like, ah, there's nobody. There's nobody. Like, Wenyan Gabriel is kind of the definition of unplayable in the playoffs because he went 68 games for the Lakers during the regular season. He played 10 in for the Lakers in the playoffs. They were all garbage time minutes, too. It was 3.7 minutes per game in the playoffs. So what we've seen from Wenyan Gabriel, it's not a small sample size, is you can probably put him in for spot duty in the regular season, but if you're relying on him in the playoffs, not going to happen. Uh, Luke Cornett, heard some good things about Luke Cornett in the preseason. Maybe you can tell me more about that, but Luke Cornett was not playable for this team in the playoffs last year. So you're relying on Al Horford, who's 37, and Chris Porzingis, who was chronically injured, to be durable, workhorse-type players for you and to be at full strength come playoff time. And I I'm just not sure at this point. I'm not sure you can count on that. Like Porzingis, and I've said this before on NBC and on this podcast, Porzingis was effectively in a contract year last year. He was playing for that extension. He was playing for that new deal. Guys always play well. Guys always turn out to be more durable than they, they, they actually are in those types of situations. Al Horford, he's entering the first year of a new contract. And I think the Celtics... And correct me if I'm wrong, but the South is going to go out of their way to keep him at like 50, 55 games this year. They're mm -hmm. not going to play him, um, you know, back to back. Well, I, for I don't sure. know. Did, didn't the NBA just come out and say that load management is a farce? And like, I, I think it, you as... can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it, Joe Dumars <laughs> respect. But yeah, OK, that's quite the pivot, you know, that the NBA is making there. But but Al, Al's 37. Like he's going to be 38 when the playoffs roll around. If the Celtics make it deep. I mean, that's. You got to rest him, and, and they know that. The Celtics know that. Al Horford knows that. I, I just don't know if they have enough depth. And look, it, it, they picked up Drew Holiday in part because they had to match up with Damian Lillard. They also have to match up with that Bucks front court, right? They also have to deal with Giannis, with Brooke Lopez, with Bobby Portis. That muscle's still there. 
provided the Sixers figured their stuff out, they're still going to have Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, P.J. Tucker, some muscle in that front court. Wow, um, throwing Tobias Harris in there is egregious. I, look, contract year. Contract yeah. year players. They they turn out. They show up. I think Tobias Harris is going to have a great year. Um, is it a fair critique yes. to wonder if this Celtics team has enough? And if they don't, what are the cards they can play to get someone? I mean, we were talking a couple of years ago, Chris, about this team be, being thin up front when they had Grant Williams. Yeah. You know, that was the whole Jakob Pertl, will they or won't they trade for him? Will they get multiple first-round draft picks for him? Um, they didn't do it then, but they were nervous about playing Milwaukee with Grant Williams, who has been effective in the past against the Milwaukee Bucks. Now Grant Williams is gone. Uh, I know Porzingis having himself a nice preseason. It's nice. It's always good to fantasize about the rebound, the three-point shots. Very nice. It's it's, a, it's great. Love preseason basketball. But is it fa- a fair criticism to wonder yes. if this team has enough up front to win at the highest level? Yeah, of course. And and that's the big question mark. Every every comment about where the Celtics will finish will be prefaced with, you know, if they stay healthy. And you are rolling the dice with, even in moving Rob, who is not the beacon of health, uh, to True. rely on a 37-year-old, you know, power forward center who has had to take the second night of back-to-backs off and Kristaps Porzingis, who hasn't had a healthy season in, in a long time, not last year, notwithstanding, you know, playing for the Wizards where there was no pressure to be out there. And so, yeah, like I'm, I, I would say that's your number one concern if you're Boston. What are the ways to alleviate it? Well, you know, cross your fingers on Luke Cornett, who has not had a very good preseason and is sort of, you know, is not probably a better fourth option than third option at center. Uh, but you brought it up. I think last year they learned a little bit of a lesson. They were hesitant to go get a Jakob Pertl and pay the sort of heavy price, even though I think it ended up just being like two second round picks, right? It was just that they didn't want to have to pay him moving forward. because No, they, they, sure they were. No, see, the, the way it was explained to me was, look, they offered a first. Toronto offered a first. The Spurs wanted two firsts from Boston. And because they didn't get it, you know, the Raptors pick was going to be better than the Celtics picks. Right. They decided on that one. I, I think that ownership made it clear to Brad Stevens, like if this guy Pirtle, I mean, is going to be part of our success. We'll pay him. I think they knew how much he was going to be worth. They just didn't want to dive deeper into the draft mm-hmm. war chest to go and get him. But yeah. they didn't get and him. So, that's the bottom. And that'll be the that'll be the decision this year. Where if you get to, you know, even I, I mean, I could see them having to cross that bridge in November, where you've got an idea now. Okay, like is Al holding up? You know, what, how much can you run Porzingis out there? The one thing they can do is they do have the versatility to sort of go big, go small. So even if only you have only one of those guys available, you can still move, whether it's Derek White, who's not the starter in the normal lineup, but like if you go double big, but then throw him in there every time Al's got a rest, you can sort of patch it together. And, you know, going small for them has just been sort of a signature. So uh, it's probably not the worst thing, but I can absolutely see this team. One, as rosters start to trim down, is there someone out there that's a better third option that ends up for being discarded for salary reasons or or whatever? And then it'll come down to what's available at the at the trade deadline, right? Like it, and, and I think they'd be more willing to push in if that's their one weak spot, right? Like last year, you you still had other question marks. They never quite tapped into what twenty two was, and you were just hoping that Rob would get back there, and you just kind of roll the dice on health and and getting there. Uh, this year, you might not have that luxury. You might have to just go for it. Yeah, I, I think they're going to have to because, look, you're right. Their small ball lineup is going to be wildly effective against a lot of teams where you can play just one big Tatum Brown, White, Holiday, you know, bring guys off the bench. They're going to beat a lot of teams that way. But when they get to the playoffs, the Bucks are not going to play down to them. 
The Bucks mm-hmm. have, you know, Brooke Lopez, who is ageless at this point, is, uh, you know, one of the best defensive players in the NBA, one of the great, great box out guys, as I hear all the time in the NBA. Giannis is Giannis. Bobby Portis is vital to their rotation. You're, you're going to have to play these guys. And if you're down one or, you know, Horford or Porzingis, or even if you have them both, I just think you're going to need more muscle up front. Mm-hmm. And the Celtics, what do they have? They've still got that that trade exception they got for Grant Williams, right? Grant They've still Williams got a couple play. of a couple of first round draft picks that they can deal. You know, it, it feels like there's another domino to yeah. fall here. It feels like there's one more big they've got to go out there and get. The the balance is going to be: Do you use up the last bit of your powder when you know like nothing is guaranteed in the NBA, and we we know like there could be bigger names available? Like what happens in Philly, and even Giannis' situation was unsettled before they make that trade. So, do you want to use up all your rest of your available first round picks to sort but of what just are they holding it for? Hold? Like what in your mind are they holding it for? Like they're not the Knicks. Like the Knicks are holding it because they're hoping yeah. to throw eight first set for Joel Embiid. The Celtics are not in that position. Like what what could they possibly well, be holding it for? So, I mean, I think you do, like, it, let's just say it fizzles for whatever reason this year, which I don't think it's going to happen, but certainly like, you know, if it does and you've paid all this money and to paid all these picks to cobble together this roster and it just doesn't work, you know, and then you have harder conversations about what the future core of this team is. Like, you know, who are you rolling forward with? And I think we know Tatum's going to be there. And so Jalen Brown's name will invariably come back up. And if you pair Jalen Brown with first round picks, you're going to get into some conversation. So, uh, you know, before the Lillard thing, I would have said they probably had eyes on what was happening with Giannis and certainly you get a look at what happens with Embiid. Now, are either East Coast rivals going to trade to you? Probably not. You know, and and your picks aren't as sexy as other teams that are are going to like that are that might struggle uh, more. And so, uh, but I do think they're they love the idea of still being as good as they are, being in that mix. Um, so it just comes down to balancing that, right? Like, just how many picks can you spend? unless this is a surefire thing. And again, if they're close, I think they're just like, you know what, let's just go for it. Cause this is our core for the, probably the next two, three years anyway, if it works. So it'll just be that balance. All right. So let's talk about wild cards with this team, the proverbial X factor in Boston. I'm going to give you mine first because mine's having himself a hell of a preseason, got himself mm. a nice new contract and is performing pretty well in the preseason. That is one Peyton Pritchard, the pride of the Oregon ducks, who is now, uh, a guy that went from basically out of the rotation last season to being a instrumental part or a vital part of this one. Pritch has had a weird career, hasn't he? I mean, you oh, look yeah. at his first year, played 66 games, uh, averaged seven and a half points, looked like he might be a player. Late first round pick, looks like the Celtics might have found something. You go to uh, last or two seasons before that, 71 games, six points per game. They dip a little bit, but he gets time in that rotation last season, 48 games, 5.6 points per game. Um, His field goal percentage, three point percentage under 40% for the first time in his career His field goal percentage dips the lowest of his careers at 41.2%. The Celtics smartly, you know, gave him, I think a team friendly contract four years, seven plus ish million uh, per season on that deal. And Peyton Pritchard has made them look pretty smart in this preseason. I mean, he was, largely buried last year because the Celtics had a surplus of guards, right? You know, they had their starters. They had Malcolm Brogdon brought in, which ate into a lot of Pritchard's minutes. And Brogdon, who in previous stops had been perpetually injured, was healthy, at least during the regular season last year. And that just gave Pritchard no chance to compete. Uh, He looks, Chris, like a revitalized player in this preseason. He looks like a guy that knows this is his shot. He's got his contract. It's a good contract, I think, for the Celtics. Um, Certainly Pritchard gets some guaranteed money, but I get the feeling that by like Christmas, we're going to be talking about Peyton Pritchard 
overplaying this contract in a big, big way. He's got, probably going to be the first guard off the bench. He can play multiple positions if he has to. Uh, I'm a big fan, a big f- fan of uh, Peyton Pritchard, and I think his success is going to have a lot to do with the Celtics' success this year. Right, you need to turn on our network. Preseason P is already like you know the hype trains are rolling in every direction after mm-hmm. that contract. So look, I think you're right, right? Like he came, he came in as a rookie. There was no real expectations. There was still more playing time at that point, and you could see the the potential there. And and I think he just played free and played more like he did in college. And then the roster got a little bit more gummed up, and his minutes went down. And all of a sudden, you're like, you know, you're stressing a little bit more in those in those opportunities. And I just felt like every time he was out there last season. You know, he kind of had to just fire away. I mean, there were good games. I remember him sparking a comeback against the Thunder. But more times than not, you know, if that shot wasn't going, he just got more frustrated to the point where, you know, he just wanted that bigger opportunity and and requested the trade. And the Celtics, you know, to their credit, kind of dug in and knew there would be some more volatility with the roster probably moving forward that they, you know, became clear pretty much for like, you know, midseason that that Brogdon couldn't stay here long term, especially with the new new salary cap rules coming in and so they they kind of like made him uh, you know grit and bear it through last season but knew there would be a chance here brad loved security gave him that contract but i mean it's like next season i think it's 6.6 million less than five percent of the cap or right around five percent of the cap i mean that's criminal if you can get a a a top eight player at that now like you got to show it in the in the in the regular season. I don't know how much if you're going to ramp up Derek White's minutes and 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 Drew playing what he plays, how much opportunities is going to be. Uh, but look, if he even in spot minutes he plays like he has this preseason, I'm with you. Like it's it's a great value. And honestly, if he doesn't play or if for whatever reason you don't need a third guard making that much money, it's a very tradable asset. And there are going to be teams out there. And then maybe that's how you pair up the money to get to you know a future center or get the patch a hole that whatever develops in future seasons. So. Uh, yeah, like I think I think it's a it's a win win for for both sides. I think Peyton's probably kicking himself a little bit right now as he's making you know just dominating the preseason, thinking okay maybe I could have got a little bit more money. Uh, but you know those things even out in the regular season, and we'll see how much they play. It, look, Joe's got to play them too. I mean that's mm. the other wild card here. Uh, you, you brought up how like losing Grant Williams hurts this team, and I, my kickback to that is always well the coach didn't play him last year, so how much mm. of a loss is it if your coach isn't willing to trust those guys? Joe has said he'll he wants to kind of reacclimate himself to those end of the bench guys, the guys that he used to be like really tight with because that was his job as an assistant uh, and not focus so much on the superstars and making sure Jason and Jalen get their time. But if, if he buys in and Peyton plays like this, yeah, the X factor is certainly at play here. I, I think it's uh, I think Peyton's going to play. Cause I think if for no other reason you want to keep guys like Drew holiday fresh, mm-hmm. you want to keep his minutes down. You want to give him uh, opportunities there. I, I did, you know, I did find it a little disconcerting for Boston that the top two uh, in the most underrated Offseason acquisition categories are Marcus Martin, Grant Williams, two guys that came uh, from Boston. So there's that. So give me your X factor for this team this year. Well, I, I, only because uh, evidently there, there's a publication that said he's not a top 100 player. Uh, ah, I would throw yes. Der- Derek White into uh, into the sort of unsung. Like he was. Boston People get so start- worked up over that shit, man. They get so I, worked up over that. No, stuff. I, People I, I get know. so fired up. <laughs> it's so funny. And I, I like and part of me is, you know, as someone who sometimes has to sit down and rank these players. So if mm-hmm. you do the math, right, there's 30 teams. If you take three players from each team and put them on the top 100, you should filter out your list. Right. And so when you think about that, Derek White is maybe the fifth or sixth name that comes to mind when you talk about the Celtics. OK, I get it. Like, you know, it's easy to gloss over uh, when you watch him every day. And when you watch last season and understand how vital he was to what they did last year, uh, you understand like 
he's just he's just undervalued and we'll see what happens with his whole extension talks and um Celtics could cross that bridge and and they don't have to he's still got another year after this so uh but Brad does love that security and and uh I think the the number you could lock them up at would be probably beneficial for again for both sides to 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 ride moving forward and uh but yeah like he's I think for plus minus and not that that's the or, or net rating um he was just behind uh Jokic and Aaron Gordon from Denver last season in terms of on court impact and he just he, he's just one of those guys much like Rob Williams which is why I had the fascination uh who just makes everyone else better and doesn't need plays drawn up for him, makes the right play, plays multiple positions, and was an all-defense guy last year. So I don't know how you're one of the top 10 defenders in the league and you're not on a top 100 list, but I, I again, I get the whole idea that if you're if you're sitting there and you're going, Jason, Jalen, Chris Stapps, Drew, it, it gets hard to, 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 to maybe slot another Celtic on there. And uh, But yeah, I think, I, I don't know what his role will be, but I, th- I hope if one thing Joe learned last year was, like, Derek White should have played a lot more than he did, uh, it was the abundance of guards and they leaned really hard on Malcolm last year, but Malcolm ha- had defensive issues in the postseason. as good as he was like kind of carrying him in that six man role. Uh, Derek was the better sort of uh, glue to when they were out there with superstars. And so uh, if he can tap back into that, I think he will be their sort of unsung guy, even though he's probably more sung than I'm giving him credit for. I want to give you one more X factor before we move on. I want to get your take on him. Sam Hauser. Um, mm-hmm. First two months of last season, Sam Hauser was lights out. He looked like one of the best shooters in the NBA. We're talking about him being in the three-point contest. I'm making phone calls to Virginia to talk to Tony Bennett about Mm -hmm. Sam Hauser. Where did he come from? How did all this happen? Uh, And then you look at the second half, and he fell off a cliff. You know, fell out of the rotation, was unplayable in the playoffs. Uh, I I don't think the Celtics expected that. I I thought they believed fully that Sam Hauser, for an entire season and a postseason, was going to be a playable player for them. What do you think the expectations are for Sam Hauser this season? You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I, like game six of the Heat series was replaying one day on NBA TV. And I looked up and I said, Hauser was in that game? Because I just don't remember him being a, a factor or somebody, but they did kind of try to throw him in there as a wild card as they were trying to scrap their way back in that series. But you're right. Like in a limited minutes in here, go out here with lineups that are probably Jason Tatum heavy and just spot up and take those shots and and teams were were happy to give it to him uh he really thrived at the start of last season was another sort of plus minus darling and uh net rating guy and so we'll see can he tap back into that i mean at no point should he be out there without two other all-star level players and whether you know even if that's like chris Stapps and drew or whatever however it shakes down uh he should get really good looks frustrating start for him to the preseason i think he missed 13 of his first 15 threes you could tell like almost like Peyton last year, he was getting frustrated. Then last night, the lid comes off a little bit and you, you can see why uh, they just got to get him to a point where he's a little bit more consistent. Uh, shooters are going to go through slumps, but if you play with 20% more consistency, uh, he'll have a rotation role. And that's what it comes down to. Like when you look at the Celtics, you say they got their top six and then they need like three more guys to navigate the regular season. And not all three of those guys are going to play in the playoffs, but some combination of Peyton and Hauser and then whatever big, emerges should be enough to kind of get you through the year and uh you know they just got to figure out how to get all three of those guys to play with consistency and and just be great at their roles i worry about him defensively he he just has a big bullseye on his back when he comes into games he, he held up well him. teams were definitely going at him but like i look i know i'm not saying he's like the fleetest of foot and uh but when you're also when you're out there with drew holiday and jason and yeah. Jalen, like 
that should help mask some of the deficiencies. If they want to target him, I think the points per play number year last year was like comical. Like they just could not attack him in isolation. Yeah. Uh, it, it spurts. Like I will say in the playoffs, you can you can definitely find ways. He goes. He's another guy that goes from a luxury last year with Brogdon there to be more of a necessity this year. I'll be interested to see how he plays uh, for this team this season. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, last thing. Joe Mazzulla, uh, under fire for most of last season, and I thought completely unfairly. I mean, Joe Mazzulla really? is... Well, I, I mean, mean, I thought... Look, given... If you take a step back and look at the totality of it, you've got a guy that comes in on effectively the eve of training camp to replace a coach that was widely respected in the locker room that leaves because of a scandal. Um, You have a brain drain on your bench, you Mm -hmm. know, over the course of the year, whether it's Will Hardy to Damon Stoudemire to, to some others that left, uh, the organization. So, and you didn't replace any of those guys. You didn't plus up the bench and the brain power on that bench. Um, last year, he made a lot of mistakes. No question about it. Uh, the timeouts was very well chronicled over the course of the year. Some of the rotation decisions. Um, he likes a lot of threes. That's for damn sure. Um, 
I think they did all the right things this year, you know, not only bringing mm-hmm. him back without question, but plussing up the bench with Charles Lee, who is arguably the best assistant coach in the NBA. Sam Cassell, who, as you know, is like the first like ex player with gravitas they've had since Walter McCarty. Like they haven't had that guy on the bench in a long time. And I think that's going to be valuable, you know, uh, for this team. And Sam also is a candidate to be head coach uh, down the line. So they've got two guys that, could be head coaches, head coaches in the next couple of years. So I think they did all the right things. But now the pressure's on. Like, this oh, yeah. is a championship contender. Joe Missoula, as I've said here on NBC, he is the closest thing that Brad Stevens has to a protege. Uh, he's the guy that Brad plucked out of the G League. He's the guy that Brad made sure stayed on Imei bench. And he's the guy that Brad elevated when there were other more senior coaches ahead of him in line. All that being said, how much pressure is on... Joe Missoula to deliver this year. And what do you think he has to deliver? Is it championship or bust? Is it finals or bust? Understand injuries have to play a role in how the mm-hmm. season plays out. But, you know, on paper, is it uh, win the whole thing or Joe Missoula is in trouble? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I think let's start with the near term, right? Like I, I one of the things I've, I've kind of asked other people, I said, you know, what would it, what, what kind of rocky start would the Celtics have to get off to for them to, to, to even consider a a change at that position. I don't think it's it's even likely, but you know, if they're 500 at midseason, I like who get who who gets in trouble there? Is it the is it the players? Is it the coach? Whatever. Um, and just like you said, I want to give Joe every opportunity because last year was not ideal. And chief among them is just not not only does he get thrown into it on the eve of it, but he's with all of Ime's assistants who. Mm. Fair or not. Some like, are gone too. Some yeah, are voluntarily right? gone. And, and I, you can't help but look, it, some of those people wanted that job. And then he, here's Joe who no gets question. not, even though he was a behind the bench guy and all. I think it's just, it's an awkward situation to go into. I don't think Joe ever got fully comfortable. I think Joe, like every first year coach, there's a learning process and he didn't always handle certain situations well. He's certainly been... Uh, you know, open to admitting some of those things, the, the 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 lack of rotation use and and you know, kind of fixating on the stars at some points. Um, you know, the timeout usage. Although he has kind of doubled down that he's like, I just need to better prepare my team for for those situations. So I'll be interested to see exactly what that balance is when the real games start. Um, but yeah, he just he he feels a little bit more comfortable here in pre preseason. Uh definitely joking a lot more and and being lighthearted. He's admitted that he wasn't ready for everyone to care about his opinion because he's never been in that spot before. Uh, but yeah, like, you know, you know how it is when you're a coach of a Boston team, especially the only Boston team that's like relevant right now. So he's got to figure out, you know, how to navigate that. And, and, and uh, you know, like you said, they've got two uh, top assistants next to him who uh, a lot of teams would probably desire for jobs if, if vacancies came open. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Uh, for me, it just comes down to, can he put this team in the best position to succeed? Does felt like at times last year, they got away in 22. I felt like they were, they were fueled by their defensive changes at the end of that year. And last year was just the whole Missoula ball three point, And they didn't really have another option. It's been nice to see Tatum in the post. It's been nice to see Porzingis go down there to start the preseason, but will that, will that hold up? And what happens when three point shots aren't falling and how does Joe adjust and how does he use the bench and how does he pace everybody there's so those are the questions i think he's he's i don't think it's necessarily championship or bust i think a lot more will fall on the players than the coach uh but certainly he has to press the right buttons or if nothing else in in the boston media microscope like we're gonna 
we're going to invariably pin stuff on him and uh, and question some of his decisions. Yeah, most of last year, it, it just seemed like he was conducting some of these press conferences like with his fists clenched on the table, like you know, just very tense, very pensive, uh, just not comfortable in those situations. Which I can't blame him. Like first time in that role, half the questions getting early on are about Ime Udoka and you know what happened there. Um, it, look, some of the pressers I've watched and the quotes I've read, it's not exactly like it's Joe's night at the improv, but he's a much more relaxed he, guy. He's a- actually, he's, he's coming like he's had yeah. witty, like little one liners, busting people way more than they, than last way year, way more than last year. Yeah, I do think, Chris, like Brad Stevens, he's leaned into Joe Ball with some of these offseason moves, like getting Porzingis is leaning into offense over defense. Um, I, I know people want to believe Porzingis can be this rim protector. Okay, I'll believe that when I see it over a full season. I, I Better just, than you think. Uh, we'll see. As, as you said, there's like the Porzingis playing now. power forward too. Like, is he going to defend? I think the people got to put him in a lot of pick and roll situations. Then we'll see what what he can do. But but Porzingis is there more for offense than defense. Robert Williams was defense more than offense. Porzingis is there because he's a floor spacer. He does a lot of things offensively. Can play through him in the low post. They've leaned into Joe Ball, so he's getting more of his types of guys, which should work out for him in his favor. And I think as long as he, and maybe you can tell me this better than, as I haven't been around the team as much yet, but, you know, as long as he trusts Charles Lee, as long as he trusts mm-hmm. Sam Cassell, as long as he doesn't look at them as being kind of guys waiting for him to screw up, you know, waiting for him to make a mistake so they can take over. And then I'm not saying they are, I don't believe for a second there. Both those guys are good basketball coaches and I think they're there for the right reasons. Uh, but as long as, as Joe believes that and leans into that and looks for help from guys that have been around the block, looks to Sam Cassell for some player centric type of things, looks to Charles Lee, who has championship experience on that Milwaukee staff. Like as long as he does those things, I, I think he's going to grow as a coach. I really believe, and I tweeted this, I think by midseason we're talking about Joe Missoula. Uh, and I don't know if he's going to win coach of the year because you, it's hard to win coach of the year when you're of a loaded roster. It usually goes to like the Mark Dagnalts of the yeah. world who have, you know, the, the 10 seed that goes to five seed or whatever it may be. But I think we're talking about Joe Missoula as a asset to this team and not the liability some people thought he was a year ago. I think he's going to grow organically. I think he's going to grow with the guys in his bench. I think he's going to grow just having another year, you know, where he's not entering a job that's surrounded in controversy and he's not kind of standing up there taking shrapnel after every tough defeat. It's still going to be tough for him after in in tough stretches, but I do think he's going to have I I think he by by All-Star break, the conversation about Joe Mazzula is going to be how he is a positive for this team and not a negative. And that's yeah. that would be that would be an upgrade I think from what some people thought last year. I just think you have to be more comfortable. I think he you know, he was pretty organically himself last year, but I just think the situation just made thing like little things more difficult than they probably needed to be and I think he's just better equipped for it. Like you said he'll have a whole offseason here to put in like the what what he believes in and you know the guys trust him like Tatum really believes in him Tatum is yep. all on board like that having buy in from your best player is huge and so if that trickles down and I do think you know it was phrased at least that this decision to bring in Sam Cassell and and Charles Lee was Joe's decision I'm sure he was as aware of it as anybody that they needed to 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 strengthen that staff and get guys that could he could lean on and you don't go get them if you're not going to use their 
their expertise. And so, uh, I'm, you know, I, I kind of from afar, just watching after practices, watch Sam Cassell go up to him and have chats about like, okay, what should I do here with Jason? And like, what do you want us working on? And uh, I think there's an open dialogue there. And both those guys are good enough assistants then. And, and, and they know their, their time's coming at the, as head coaches. And uh, if, if the Celtics are successful, everyone's going to, going to benefit from that. So I think they're all in. It's great that you have Charles Lee when you add a true holiday to the roster. It's great when you have, uh, Paul Pierce wanting to like work out with Jason Tatum because Sam Cassell connected them in the off season. And so I think, yeah, I think they're just better set up for success, uh, this season. And I think Joe will, uh, will have every chance to sort of spread his wings a little bit more in much the same way that we keep saying like Jason and Jalen without Marcus there and his voice, you know, like, okay, well, Joe, this is the, this is what you got. You got everything you wanted now and you get, and you, and you've sort of, you get whatever, make it your mark on it. And uh, it won't be on the fly and everything. So yeah, I'm eager. Put it my my, my long winded way of saying I'm eager to see how he how he spreads his wings here and and if he just you know looks a little bit more comfortable in all regards this season. Yeah, I like I like how they've turned the team into uh, kind of a high school football program, like welcoming back all the old players, then have them in the gym. Whether it's Paul Pierce, Satch Sanders, whoever you want to you know bring in, uh, you can walk right in there now. I apparently, apparently it's, it's open doors for anybody that used to wear uh, former employee. I like everything. Like you can just like stomp right in. Paul Pierce was like working out on machines and the 2008 team took over and just had a three point contest in the middle of a I freaking saw that. Practice. Yeah. Yeah. Sam Cassell, Eddie house uh, doing TV work now. So it's, it's going to be interesting this year. That's for sure. All right. Read Chris Forsberg stuff on NBC sports, Boston.com. Watch him on NBC sports, Boston all season long for his Celtic stuff. Chris, good to catch up with you, man. I appreciate you joining me here on the show. Thank you, Mannix. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.